Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to another episode of the Product Uncensored Show. I'm your host, Colin Pell, and I hope that you've been having a great week so far. Today is episode 28, and I have another great guest for you. I'm excited, um, so I won't, I won't spoil the surprise just yet. All right, but for those who are Regular listeners, welcome back. And for those of you who are new, um, let's just give you some introduction about what the show is all about, right? So um, we talk about you know product leaders. I try to focus on leaders who are based in Southeast Asia, sometimes Asia, and then so- sometimes, you know, if there's a good guest, we take them wherever they are. Um, if you want to know more, you want to listen to the other 27 episodes, um, all the videos are on YouTube. And don't forget when you go there, please click on the subscribe button. And also click on that bell notification icon because it helps with the algorithm. It helps me to get discovered as well. Um, If you prefer to listen just to the audio podcast while you're on the go or in your train or whatever it is that you're doing, um, it should be showing up um, here. Yes, okay, I'm pointing it right this time. It should be showing up now. And finally, if you want to support this show, um, there is a link in the description where you can support the show for the price of a coffee. And again, this is purely voluntary, so no problems if you don't want to. Okay, that's all the introduction that I had. Let's go to our guest. I have today a very special guest. She's a female product leader on the show, so I'm excited. Always happy to see you know, female leaders getting represented on the show. Um, and if you you look back at some of the episodes that we've had, we've got great, great female leaders. And today is no exception. Um, she's been someone who has experienced working for Google, for Facebook, for Lazada. In fact, she's now the Chief Product Officer at Hubble Connected. I would like to introduce all of you to Swati Rai. Welcome to the show, Swati. Hey, Colin. Glad to be here. Yes, yes. I'm so thankful that, you know, we finally managed to, to get on the show, uh, get on this show. Um, I remember the first time, you know, we were going back and forth by email was, I think, a couple of years back. And I was trying to get you for uh, a product meetup in KL, um, hoping that you would fly through and somehow that didn't happen. So it's okay. We've now got you on the show. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny, like we've been on and off speaking over two years and we still haven't managed to meet in person yet yes and unfortunately yeah and unfortunately the year after you know covid kind of happened so it's not been the most fun of times um but how, how have you been doing swati Ah, been been good been uh, been like groundhog day i think many people would agree <laughs> every mm. day is the same as the other uh but yeah i guess uh, i'm just looking forward to uh, you know, this year, wrapping up this year, we went into, uh, you know, every product person's life, quarterly road mapping. So it's 19th of September. I have just wrapped up my Q4 roadmap with the team. So yeah, it's looking strong, excited about Q4 and then maybe, you know, taking some time off to end of the year. So, but can't believe it's already 2021 is ending. I know, right? The year has just gone by so fast. Um, and I, I don't know about you, right? But I know for me in lockdown, it feels like time seems to pass. It 
passes slower on the day, you know, an hour by hour basis. But then suddenly you realize, oh, wow, it's almost the end of the year. It's Q4. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my experience with it. So, okay. Um, so, again, you know, great to have you on the show. So, before we jump into, like, you know, I've got lots of questions in my mind I want to ask. Um, but maybe you can, you know, just tell the listeners and viewers, you know, a little bit more about yourself and maybe also a little bit about um, Hubble Connected as well. Sure. Uh, so I'm Swati. I'm based in Singapore. Uh, I lead product at Hubble Connected. Um, Hubble is a baby technology company. We are an IoT company uh, that has historically made baby monitors, uh, you know, baby monitors and cameras, uh, home home uh, monitoring systems. Uh, but we've decided to take our focus to uh, solving parents' problems through technology from year zero to year 10. So right now we're thinking about how can we support mothers while they're pregnant through technology. So we do have a product that supports that. It's actually quite cute. Uh, you can buy it and you can listen to your unborn baby's heartbeat uh, that connects to our app. And I've given it to a few friends to use and they really love it. Uh, but then we're also trying to build a connected nursery ecosystem where if you're a parent who doesn't know what to buy for there, you're just having a baby, you know, here is a welcome to the world bundle, the four things you'll need for your nursery. And they all connect and speak to each other and you can monitor the well-being of your child through an app. Uh, so like it's a very exciting space for me, I guess, to explore and work in, having worked in, in the advertising and monetization space. Um, and then we have like a very strong lineup of products and ideas that we're working on for next year. Uh, so yeah, it's it's B2C, it's I, IoT space. Uh, uh, hardware is new to me. Uh, you know, I've not done this before. All of my career had been in software, uh, but I'm still focusing more on the app and subscription side of the business mm. uh, right now. But it, it's a learning experience. It's very exciting. Very nice. So, sorry, what do you, what would you call Hubble Connected? Is it like baby tech? You know, because every everything now has a, the word tech behind it. So it's just considered baby tech. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people would said, okay, it's more about emotional tech. And I didn't know if emotional tech was a term, but I Googled it. And yeah, you know, emotional tech is a term. So I would say, yeah, we're in like the baby space. But we're since we're not making diapers, we're making tech gadgets and it connects to an app. So you could call it, I would say, baby tech. Okay, yeah, because baby tech sounds really cool. So, okay, all right. Um, I have uh, again, you know, the just your current role with Hubble connected. Lots of things there, like you mentioned, you know, the hardware and the software side of things. Um, I think we'll definitely want to ask a few questions, but just before that, right? Let's let's sort of pull back um a little bit because, um, you know, your your career has been one that is um, very interesting, right? Because you were doing ads, you were doing uh, product marketing, and then you went into product management. So the first question for you, Swati, is how did you end up in product management? Like, was this, you know, was this something that was by design? Was it by happenstance? You know, what was that story of how you got into product management? Yeah, no, I don't think this was at all by design. Um, I did. So, so a lot of people are surprised, uh, you know, when I tell them that I studied English literature in university. So I was through and through, uh, you know, a creative person. I wanted to be a journalist or I want to be a writer. Uh, you know, if I, if I had stayed back in India and not taken my first job at Google, and even Google, I, I, I applied for the job because it had to do with online advertising. And I was like, oh, uh, I had interned as a copywriter. So during my undergrad, I was studying English. I had interned as a copywriter. 
uh, after that internship, the stuff that I learned about, uh, you know, the ads industry, the offline ads industry did not, uh, I think, safe to say, impress me. Uh, and I was like, what other kinds of advertising is there? And then that that, that time, Google AdWords, you know, Google was hiring uh, at, at the university and they came to our campus. I applied for the job. It seemed exciting. Uh, you know, and, and I just got in. So my, my job was essentially to approve ads and write emails to customers, understand how the AdWords product works. Um, and, and I was a part of that team. So uh, definitely, I didn't even know the term product manager or what product management is. And, you know, even what, like, really, what is the job in tech? Because in my mind, that was for engineers. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I basically was working in advertising and uh I learned that's where I understood, okay, Google Analytics is essentially a product, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, so what, what people who understand this, uh, how to use Google Analytics, you know, can become product specialists. And, and then, you know, I tried to do a stint here and there. Uh, Google as a company, like very flexible, allows you to try different roles. And I tried to do that. And I tried to do a little bit of consumer operations. So I got flavor of multiple roles, but that helped me understand, okay, in tech, there are engineers who build a product, but then there are all these teams you know, that support it. And, oh, it looks like I like doing this and I like doing that. Uh, so I think that was my first exposure to, to do what somebody who works with a product or is a product specialist. That is the role that they had in the India office does, which I tried to do for a bit uh, as well. Uh, uh, but then, um, you know, I was just just curious when I would speak to my advertisers, they would say, oh, but I'm spending money on Yahoo and Yahoo does better than Google or I'm spending money here. And I learned that, OK, all I know is Google advertising. You know, there's so much more that's happening in advertising. Uh, how do I learn that? And then, you know, all I know is India market. But, you know, I'm still servicing advertisers that sit in North America and rest of the world. So how do I understand the rest of the world in advertising? And I think it was that question at the back of my mind again and again uh, that led me to, like, explore. Uh, you know, I, I always joke and, and Indians listening to this might relate to it. But as an Indian, uh, you even need, like, a visa to go to the toilet. Like, <laughs> the Indian passport, <laughs> like, literally does not allow you to move anywhere and just, you know, go and work. Versus, like, if you are a resident of the European countries, right, you can just move around. Mm. So, so I didn't have the flexibility to just pick and choose a place I wanted to go. Um, I, I did some research on Singapore. It seemed like a great opportunity. And, you know, one thing led to another, uh, you know, and, and I ended up moving here and to mind share. Uh, which was, I think, very exciting for me and my learning uh, for my learning, because uh, then I actually managed, uh, you know, digital marketing accounts um, for like, you know, big brands. And I'm, I'm working on those and, you know, they have set amount of dollars and they need to be spent on Google, on Yahoo and, you know, what have you, all of your ad networks. So I understood marketing and I worked very close with, with like the print and the TV teams. So I understood integrated marketing really well. Uh, so I, I was still working in marketing. I was still doing advertising. It's and then I data, uh, you know, was the new oil at that point. Yes, yes. So 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 people were like, oh, you need to be data driven. What does that mean? Oh, from advertising, you're collecting all this data. What are you doing with it? How are you using it? Uh, so it was again out of my comfort zone. But I realized that people who could speak tell a story from data were being more valued. Clients were listening to you a lot more. So I pushed myself there. Uh, which kind of led me to stumble on uh, a startup 
which is a data a startup where my role was to build out metadata in the back end that PNG could use to run ads, which was a very exciting role. And I was doing that for Asia, a really small company. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely loved it until I got a call from Facebook where they were hiring for a role and they were exactly through their product, which is an ad serving product, solving for my current challenge in my role on how to advertise based on identity and not based on cookies. Mm. So even that was kind of a happenstance. I was extremely happy uh, in my previous role, but they called me, uh, you know, again, I got the job, moved to Facebook. And that's when I guess, you know, when you're like, at, like I had worked for what I think seven years by the time, uh, you know, I joined Facebook. So I was not as new as when I was at Google, mm. I understood advertising, marketing, tech data, so I, I could make then conscious decisions on, oh, this is the kind of role I would like to do. This is the kind of skill that I would like to learn. And, and the company gave a lot of exposure to speaking to people from multiple teams, multiple business units. Um, and that is the first time I was exposed to product manager as mm. a job function, you know, people who were doing a role as a product manager. Um, and even though I was doing sales in the beginning when I joined, um, you know, I was given feedback that I would synthesize my information about the market, about the Asia Pacific market really well to be able to like, you know, putting kind of a bow on it and handing it over uh, to the product teams to understand what Asia really needs. Mm. Um, and which, you know, I thought, yeah, but I also like doing that. And then people said, oh, you should like explore product marketing or, you know, product mm. management. So I guess that's how it, it started. That was, I would say, my first, you know, step into oh, there is this job, even though I've done sales and marketing, I do have transferable skill sets and some skill sets to learn to move towards this. And I think it's interesting. Why not? I give it a try. Um, and that's how it started at Facebook. And then when I moved to Lazada, um, you know, that was just, uh, I guess, a really great way to put all the learnings that I had, you know, to put it into practice and build out that team and, you know, uh, uh, launch Lazada sponsors, sponsored solutions. Um, and then from there, I guess what I'm doing at Hubble was even one step further. Yes, you've done ads and you've done everything online, but you've never really worked in a company which has a physical product mm -hmm. that the customer is buying. You know, uh, you know how, how would this opportunity and also a B2C directly selling to customers, right? Ads is B2B2C. Um, mm. So what would that look like? And again, back at a really small company, which I kind of missed, like my job before Facebook, I, I really loved that working in a really small setup. So I kind of like had an itch for that again to try mm. it out. And mm. then here I am. Long-winded story, but no, definitely did not know what a product manager was when I started my career. <laughs> No, very nice. Um, I uh, th this is what I love doing about the show is to hear stories about how people got into product management, and the stories are always very interesting because everyone has a different story, and you know, and I think also because of you know the tenure that usually comes with it before you sort of make this jump into a product leadership position. Um, most of the the people who I speak to or have on the show they tend to always, you know, stumble into product management, which always makes the story uh, more interesting, right? Uh, but this does bring me to my next question. So you talked about doing digital marketing, then you did product marketing, and then now you're in product management. Now, if, if I were someone on the outside, you know, looking in, I would be like, okay, these three things sound, you know, they're like, you know, similar, but not the same. So as, as someone who has done all three, how would you, you know, 
explain what is the differences, what are what are the differences between you know, digital marketing, product marketing, and product management? Are they subsets of each other? Do they overlap? Do they not? I think one thing that is common between all of these roles, and even in a sales role, and I guess any job where you have a customer to service is being obsessed about what is the need of your customer mm-hmm. and what makes them tick, right? And how how it kind of connects us in digital marketing. Yeah, there was no product. I was running ads for people to see, like people like you and I to see, but I needed to know what do I need to say in that ad for you to pause and stop scrolling your feed and click on my ad or watch my video, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was doing digital marketing at a time where mobile was like the new uh, the new device that people were using. Short form yes. video didn't exist, but people were you know, still trying to convert their TV ads into 60 second videos. So how do you make sure that people are watching your 60 second videos, um, right? So, so I think that customer obsession kind of needs to be there to understand the needs and position yourself. Uh, when you think about product marketing, right, then your job is twofold, like how it's described, the typical words are used outbound and inbound. Mm-hmm. But in simple terms, as a product marketing manager, you are the voice of product into market, whichever market you're serving, and you are the voice of market into product, right? So you need to know marketing, you know, when an engineer and product manager gives you a product. You need to be able to coach the sales team, build out a narrative, build out a go-to-market plan to launch this product, make it successful. But you also need to be able to collect feedback from the markets and as juicy and you know data-driven and anecdotal everything feedback, you know, again, wrap it really well and be able to go back to product and engineering and tell them this is what the market needs for us to be successful from this product. So I think that's essentially what a product marketing manager would do. Uh, a product manager would go, needs to understand what a PMM does, but needs to go then take mm. that package from the PMM, right? It's like relay race, uh, you know, take, take, pick that package up and say, okay, this is the feedback that I've got. I need to validate it, you know, and then go one step deeper to run their studies, to run their user research, to validate what the PMM is telling you, uh, you know, find out what more on what the competition is doing, you know, look at data, look at projections to figure out, is it worth investing my time and my engineering team's time, which is so precious in building or improving this product, you know, and and always thinking in two years, what would this product look like? In five years, what would this product look like? Uh, And then actually going ahead, working with engineers, building it. Uh, But I, I always say that, you know, a PM should never pass on their product to the PMM and say, here is all, this is what the product does. Uh, you know, this is what, uh, uh, you know, this is what the sales team needs to be doing here. Go take it, sell it. I mm. think the PM needs to be, you know, this should be able to in 60 seconds sell their product. Like why should a customer buy it, uh, right, as well. So um, one of the most complex role, I would say, is to be a product manager because you need so many diverse skill sets. It's not just about writing a PRD you know, getting it aligned and building the product. I think it's a lot more and it has just as many soft skills as hard skills needed to do the job. Mm, yeah, I, I really like how you put it. So, um, you know, again, just to just go one step further then. So would it be fair to say, and, and again, I'm happy for you to totally disagree and debunk this. Um, would it be fair to say that, you know, the product marketing manager's role is usually more at the top of the funnel where you're trying to, you know, get people to understand what it is that you want them to do. And the product management person is more of the step after you've you've gotten them onto your platform, onto your product, and then trying to make sure that they understand what's happening 
there as well. Would that be a fair um, summary of, of what the two roles would do and how they complement each other? I mean, I would I would say a little bit different. Yes, it would do what you said, but also the PM's role will come before the PMM's role, right? Because mm. it's, it's chicken and egg. The PM would have built something for the PMM to go and explain and what it does. And then what you just described is, you know, version two. So the, P, the PM with their own, I don't think there would be a PMM that would even exist, you know, when companies are building an MVP, right? So they're building, launching, they have an idea, they decide to test it, they build an MVP, they send it out to the market. At that point, you're not probably, uh, a small company won't have money to align a PMM to do the market study. That's when the PM is going, rolling up their sleeves, understanding all the feedback. Then they say, okay, we've received great feedback, you know, Uh, this product is going to take off, let's build version one, version two, version three, this is what our roadmap looks like. And then as they are doing those small releases and improvements, you know, that's where a PMM can come in and say, okay, you know, give, give this to me and I'll make sure every single customer understands and I'll build out a go-to-market strategy and plan through different channels uh, that they understand what this product does. And while I do this, if I get any feedback, I will bring it back to you. But I would say a PM should still continue to keep, always keep a tab on the customer sentiment. Uh, you know, I personally spend hours and hours uh, going through our NPS surveys, you know, and, and reading uh, customer feedback. Uh, and, and you know the smallest things, like uh, you know, in our cameras, if there if there is a light that's on mm. and it's blue, and you know, people are like I want a pitch dark room for my baby. You have this really tiny blue light that can be a bit annoying. Can you remove this light? Mm. Uh, and and you know, as my product managers would say, well, there's a reason the slide is on because so that the parent knows that the camera is working. If we remove the slide, then how will they ever know? You know, then you're thinking, but I still need to solve this problem. Uh, you know, how, then how, where do we, can we change the position of the light? Can we change the color of the light to amber from blue? So I think that's where, you know, and then we would fix it. Then I will hand it to a PMM to say, we've made this change, take it over, educate the customer, how we've taken feedback and we're constantly improving our products and they can give us additional feedback on this link, for example. So the two roles are quite, mm. you know, very well connected and work very closely with each other. Yes, and, and so well put, so well put. Yeah, that's why I have people like you on the show so that you can, you know, tell everyone. Because I, I think it really does shed a lot of light. And you know, again, maybe this is just my experience or my exposure. I think the product marketing role is now actually gaining more popularity, especially in the bigger companies. Right, as you said, right. Usually, if it's a small company or a medium size, you usually either choosing like a marketing person and then you have a product person, but not usually someone that sort of is the glue between the two, which is your your PMM role. So always great to to understand it from someone who has done it before. So thank you so much for that. Um, so let's move a little bit along into you know the career where you joined Lazada. You you joined as the VP of product management and strategy. Um, how did you build up the team um, over there? Uh, and and the reason why I ask is and the the next question that I also want to ask is then how would that differ building a product team at Hubble Connected as well? Because one is this you know huge giant and, and the other one is a much uh, smaller stage uh, at a much earlier stage yeah so i think i think that lazada was one of the you know one of the very interesting experiences that i've had you know working there uh only because it's such an amalgamation of two um two styles of working right uh because 
uh, Lazada was a rocket internet company before uh, Alibaba acquired it. So, you know, yes. uh, the way it was built and the way it was run is like a lot of how uh, rocket internet companies are run, run by consultants, you know, in, in a certain structured way. Anybody who's worked at uh, these companies would know what I'm talking about. And then Alibaba came in, which is like a market leader in China and no doubt like the best technology, you know, and the best results with what they've done. But the way they operate is like quite different. So I think it was so interesting for me. I kind of joined at the time where both of these groups of people were part of the company trying to do something together. And mm. then there were new people like myself, you know, being hired. And, and then and the mix that I brought was none of the two, but, you know, coming from big tech and the U.S. big tech. Right. Mm, so mm. so it, it created a very interesting space, I guess, to innovate and, you know, uh, chart a way forward for Lazada to become a market leader. So uh, but I did join with a team of, I would say, I would a couple of people. And one of them was mainly. Uh, uh, and, and this is what happens to any any hiring manager, like any manager, anybody who's been a manager. Right. When you inherit a team. You know, you come in and you have your strategy and then you know the kind of skills that you will need to achieve yes. this strategy and achieve this vision. vision. And, and and I think I, I came in to see that, okay, there are people with these different skill sets, uh, but I need to move this person's role around, you know, that person's role around to make sure that, you know, they are able to drive impact where their strengths lie. It takes mm-hmm. you a little bit of time to also learn what the strengths of the people, current people are. So I think I spend a fair bit of the, um, amount of time doing that. And then the second part of the time was, okay, let's hire for this team. Um, and, and like, you know, the management was super supportive. I had a lot of support from the HR and, you know, I had a recruiter assigned to me. We were working with external recruiters, but I don't think I've had, it has been so challenging to hire in Singapore <laughs> for mm. product managers, because I guess everybody is looking for, including me at that point, um, you need to come in and build out an ad system. Like that was the role, right? Mm. Within an ad system, you might not be building the whole thing. Of course, nobody is. But if you're working on display ads, you will be building the front end of display ads or the ads engine, or you'll be working on data and reporting. Uh, first of all, there are not many ad tech focused companies in Singapore, like right? all the big companies are US based and these roles only existed in the US. And secondly, product management as a field is very new in Southeast Asia and in Singapore. So it's very hard to find somebody who's done seven to eight years of core product management and that too on software only products. So uh, it was it was quite challenging for me to hire in Singapore. We had to move the business forward. Uh, again, thanks to how widely spread Alibaba is, uh, you know, we had a Lazada entity in Shenzhen in China. So I was able to very quickly, you know, hire people there instead because people, Tencent is there and people have done this job before. So, you know, it's like plug and play. They come in, they understand the business, they help you build. Um, I think what also worked in our favor was, um, I think by the time I'd done like a year uh, at Lazada, we were, we were still being quite slow in building what we were trying to build. And then, uh, you know, the management decided that we could get some help from the engineers who were in China who had built uh, the ads platform there. Uh, so, so we got we got some more new people and new blood, and everybody had done this stuff before. You know, they had built a world class platform, or I would mm. say, in China, world class yeah. platform, uh, the ads platform for uh, you know Taobao, and so so we we were able to just use those resources. So I, I would say hiring was definitely one of the challenging parts. Uh, and mm. you know, if you're joining as a product leader, I think my learning was just to understand. Um, it's very exciting to take on a big goal. But mm. if you just have a chief, you know, without their army, then it just it 
it it's unnecessary stress on the people that you like, that are working with you to achieve mm-hmm. that goal yeah. especially if you could not foresee how long it will take you to hire people um and i think that that was that kind of like threw some light mm-hmm. uh, you know for me on on this challenge and how i would solve it which then kind of you know uh, a learning i knew when i moved to hubble that mm. okay like i knew that i'll have to hire more pms and you know so i understood the org structure and i knew how slow it will be to hire a pm so mm. because i came so prepared for that um i had designed my roadmap in such a way that okay if i am able to hire a pm in the first 3 to 6 months then this is what the roadmap looks like and then i had a version 2 of the roadmap i'm a situation where i'm not able to hire a pm and this is what the roadmap would look like and i would align constantly align it with like all stakeholders which is something that was not done mm-hmm. you know previously mm-hmm. i had not done at lazada um and and then during covid like it's not been easy to hire uh, again you know and with the restrictions and you know how many people with eps that you can hire or not um has has made it like even tougher mm-hmm. um but i guess so far so far so good we're still uh, we managed to reset expectations and uh, you know deliver on our roadmap so far thank you thank you yeah I, i think something that you brought up was very interesting so when you said you when you went to hubble you had like a uh, version 1 or you know this is the ideal plan i get to hire and this is what the roadmap looks like if i didn't get to hire then this is what you know it would, it would look like so yeah i think for viewers and listeners i think that's that's really a great you know a great strategy that you can take um as a product leader right so if you need to hire what's you know what's the outcome if you have the ideal situation and what what if you don't so yeah thank thank you for that um so let let's talk more about um hubble um as well so because um you know looking at uh some of the career progressions right you you've done you know google in between um and then facebook and then lazada and then to hubble um connected as well um was it a um, again strategic decision for yourself personally to move to uh, a company that was you know earlier in the startup game in the growth stage or yeah again was it was it happenstance because i'm i'm just curious to understand from your perspective as a leader um and let me just provide a bit more context to this question sometimes people tend to think that you know fang companies are like you know that's that's the holy grail you get your fang you're set for life Um so I'm curious to know about your strategy because yours seems to be you know the other way you did the Google the, the Facebook and then now you know you're you're going to to Apple connected. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you know um I've heard personally I've asked this question to a lot of people you know people I admire my mentors people whose careers I admire and I think there is no right or wrong answer it has to be a very customized and a personalized answer mm-hmm. you know on what you value at any given point in time. So the first time that I did, made a decision which was just not a typical decision that anybody makes is to leave Google to join an agency, you know. Mm. Uh most people who work in sales at Google, I would say not most but a lot large part of them come from the agency world. So the movement happens in the opposite direction. Nobody leaves like Google to join an agency. People yes. leave an agency, even senior leaders leave agencies and then they take, you know, the head of and director level roles at Google. But again at that point I think it was never about running away from something but running to a new experience and the curiosity of what would this be like what could this be like you know mm. and then I always knew 
you know, and, and I think a lot of this goes to like confidence, uh, you know, levels. I was never book smart. I was always street smart, you know, even when I was a kid, like I, I was never top of my class, um, you know, any, anywhere like, yeah, in English, yes, because I, lo- I love languages, but math, no, don't even, if anybody looks at like my high school mark sheet will be shocked. You know, I was never there, but I found my way, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I ended up going to University of Delhi. I had a ranked in the universe, in the college that I, you know, went to. Uh, I got a job at Google. I think when those things happen to you, you build an inherent confidence that, you know mm-hmm. what, you know, you tell yourself, like, as cocky as it sounds, that I'm going to be okay no matter what. And if you're going to be okay no matter what, then, um, and it's not like dreamy stuff, like, you know, follow your dreams and the money will come. It's just about if something makes sense and you're a bit curious about it, and it's not a big shift from what you're currently doing, why not try it? What's the worst that can happen, hmm. right? Hmm. And I think that confidence gets better and better the more years you've worked. Uh, and, and in my case, that jump from Google to a media agency was that kind of risk, but I was more excited about it. Was it was it like a completely rosy picture as I imagined? No, but was hmm. it one of the best learning experiences of my life, you know? And it led me to Singapore and now I've been here like 11 years. Like, you know, uh, absolutely. So, um, so that's my, uh, I guess, approach to, uh, I could have worked at Facebook sooner as well. You know, Facebook mm. was new here, they were hiring and, and, you know, no, but I like went to media agency. I stayed there for a while. Then I went to a startup, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of Googlers go back to Google as well. Uh, you know, that, that wasn't something that I was, I was trying to do. Mm. Um, so after Lazada as well, uh, you know, I, I'm good at like joining a place where there's a mission and a vision, you know, to achieve something. Uh, and then, you know, you build it. Uh, and and I, like, I like the rush of that. You build it, you solve a problem. You know, there's something that you're curious about. You want to find out what's inside this, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And once I uncover that, you know, I, I always think like, okay, what else? What's next? You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that uh, about myself. And uh, I guess with the pandemic and everything that was going on, uh, you know, the more I would, uh, and I advise a few startups as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I always thought that, oh, Selling like a beauty subscription box or, you know, anything which is B2C, you know, I would advise startups which were doing B2C stuff and those suggestions played out like they worked out well for them. Um, and then people would say, oh, considering that you've never worked in B2C, you know, this <laughs> this was really helpful for us. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about what would it be like to work in B2C? Okay. And then what kind of a role, like, what will I be good at? So I was like, okay, product marketing. Yes. Because, you know, I do have the creativity. I've done product marketing. But I also love building products. You know, mm. I love designing. Uh, I, I love working with you know your user experience design teams. I love working with customers. I like in the being in the mix of things. And you know, so oh, a PM role would also be great. Okay, let's see if you know something. Keep your you know eyes peeled. I, I think that that was my approach. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't looking to move. Uh, and Hubble like you know contacted me, and then they said, okay, it's it's B two C, but it's hardware. You've never done hardware before. Um, so, you know, and the role, like, will the role be hundred percent hardware? Will I be managing hardware product management? No, not at the start. You know, we mm. want to turn the company around. We want to have more focus on app and tech and subs- grow the subscription business, but it gives you an opportunity to get involved in hardware, which I was like, it's very interesting because when you look at it, we are all in a bubble of tech. Yes. Tech and SaaS and all of these products, mm-hmm. but the majority of business is still physical goods, right? Yes. Like if you, if you look at the economy, it's still physical goods. So it is kind of a little bit surprising to me that in 14 years of my career, I had never worked in a physical goods, you know, company. So 
I was like, okay, is is this worth a try? Like, you know, well, life in pandemic is not very exciting. <laughs> so, so you know, why not? Like, why not? You know, what's what's the worst that can happen? You know, um, so I think just the motivator was for me was this. I'm curious mm. about something. It's something that I've never done, uh, right? Um, and and what I'm optimizing for, what I was optimizing for is being able to work in something that's B two C. Uh, and, you know, moms, my friends, a lot of my friends are moms are becoming mothers, so building something for them. And it's very joyful. Like I sometimes give samples, et cetera, to my friends and they try it out and they love it. Um, and then the second thing was, you know, it's a small company. You're able to like get your hands dirty and work with like multiple people. Uh, it's a global business. It's a global role. Um, and, and and then it works with physical goods, which which I've never done before. Hmm. Um and and then I'll you know it has been a learning experience. For example, I could not tell you this um, before Hubble that to ship, how much shipping costs, how do they impact the business and the retail price that you give to a consumer, and who covers that pricing, right? Like I'm sitting in calls where they're like, oh, uh, the price of shipping uh, a container from China to Dallas used to be six thousand dollars, and now due to pandemic, it's twenty four thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. That's a huge hit on our margins. How do we solve that? I had not solved those questions before. What I had solved was like, oh, why don't we move this button from A to B so it can drive higher conversion? You see? So so, so I think it's, yeah, it's just been a great learning experience and every day is learning something new. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. Um, so one of the companies that I worked used to work for was a digital products platform that produced physical products and and similar to you you know when i went and joined you know and they were like, okay now we have conversations about shipping you know how how does bulk shipping work what if you're shipping in a b2c single and raw material so yeah it was definitely um, a learning curve um, and yes definitely appreciate you highlighting that so here's the question that comes after that how did you sort of prepare for moving to Hubble Connected, right? Because you're saying it was B2C, you know, it was, there was hardware involved. Like, did you did you specifically do things that would help you prepare? And then, you know, how did you, how did that inform your strategy as well when you joined um, Hubble Connected? Yeah, I think, I think that that's a good question. I was, um, I tried to speak to people who worked in this industry, like not, not, I mean, there are not many players and like the baby monitoring and baby tech that I knew, but anybody who was working in, uh, you know, physical goods industry serving mm-hmm. to customers, right? So I spoke to a few friends who worked at beauty brands and just say, okay, so how, how do you like, you know, how does your business operate and what are the challenges? Because software side, so we have a subscription model for our app. Mm-hmm. So I've just launched and released an app, you know, in the US. Um, and now as we start selling our cameras and hardware, people will download the apps and then we have a subscription plan, which gives moms a lot more value for money and peace of mind. So, you know, I'll, I'll be tracking those numbers and seeing. So mm-hmm. how to grow subscriptions and stuff is stuff that, you know, I know I'll be able to do and I'll be able to solve for. Uh, but how will the physical good interact with the app and how will a good or a bad experience on a physical good can impact whether the customer ever buys from you again or not? And how do you do what do you do if a customer is unhappy then, you know, mm-hmm. is there a way to win them back? Um, you know, and, and a good example would be Grab, right? Uh, a Grab or Deliveroo. I use the food delivery partners. And sometimes when the delivery is quite late, you call their customer care, you get a frustrated response, like, you know, um, or, 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 or you get a good response. Depending on how you get a response, you may say, I'm not going to use this app again. But then they send you like a ten dollar voucher and email, and you're like, meh, okay, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll just order one. So, you know, no, no big deal, right? 
can yeah. you apply the same thing to like a expensive hair care beauty brand or like a you know a baby tech tech brand where your products are two hundred dollars mm. plus? Probably not. If mm. somebody's had a bad experience with your product, like a laptop, they're probably not going to go back and buy you. So how do you deal with that? You know, how do you ensure customer understand customer experience and solve for it, where you can't hand out five dollar free delivery or five dollar food voucher? Yes. Um, so I did spend time like understanding that to understand what what I'm kind of getting into. And the second thing I think I spent time on was how big is the baby market? How big is mm. this industry? Right. Um, and my learnings from it was very early on. I was in one or two years into my career when the Lehman Brothers crash and the, everything happened in like, you know, mm. 2008. But uh, I was I read about which are the companies that were still doing well. And then it was like, you know, things that people really need. People's mm. day to day life is not going to change. They're going to cut out costs that are, you know, a little bit exorbitant. Uh, but stuff like. People still, their kids still wanted chocolates, right? People were still buying chocolates. People were still buying instant noodles and biscuits, etc. So, uh, so what industry like are you entering? First of all, you know, are like in a market like Singapore, birth rates are not really going up, going up. Mm. But in some markets, birth birth rates are going up. People will continue to have kids, and if people who have kids, one thing which is true for everybody is people may spend money in ABC or cut down, but everybody puts their first priority as their kid, you know, mm. their kid's education. If you want to educate my kid, if I want to keep my kids safe, keep my kid happy, keep my kid healthy, people will spend money. So there is a market there. And secondly, it's something that is act, like you're actually helping the society in a way, you know, you, you're actually making a difference, uh, which to me was quite exciting. So, uh, so I think I try to understand more about the industry and where we, you know, the ways to play and, and, you know, how can you maybe win the market and which kind of gave me a sense of, okay, what this would take. And then do I have it? Am I ready for this challenge? Mm. Uh, but you never, you never go into any opportunity, I think, with 100% of the information. Sure. You know, at best, you'll have 80, but most people have 50%. And then the rest 50, you mm. find out when it's kind of like you join and then you just, you know, learn on the job. Yep, yep. Yeah. And you make a good point, right? You you do your homework as much as you can, but then, you know, even when you join, you know, there's no guarantee, you know, whatever you thought would be, will be. Um, and, and so for you, when you, you know, you did all this homework, you spoke to to peers within similar type industries. Um, so how did you form your strategy for Hubble Connected? Like, what did you do um, specifically? Like, did you, did you employ, you know, like the 30-day um, 30 day plan or did you did you employ specific um, frameworks in order for you to come up with your like how did you form the strategy as the new chief product officer for Hubble Connected? So I, I joined uh, the company. So from the time that I got hired to the time I joined, there were mm -hmm. some internal changes and reorgs that happened. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the business took a different direction. So I would have liked to join where um, I joined the company and then I love to do like a 30 day listening tour. I did mm. the same at Lazada. I think it works. You know, I, people that I admire do that and they have, you know, good things to say about that experience. You just listen to feedback from different teams. They keep noting it down and maybe ask one question in my role. Now that you understand my role, how do you think I could make a difference? How do you think I could mm. help? Mm. And, and just, you know, lay back from giving your opinions um, and, and how you would fix because as a new person coming in, right. And everybody does that. Oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and we could fix this. You know, you don't really make any friends doing that in your first 30 days. So I would have, I would have liked to, you know, have done my 30 day uh, mm. tour, uh, sorry, 30 day listening tour. But again, best laid plans, right? You know, I, that's the plan that I wanted to join with. 
But even before I, I kind of joined, our CEO was talking to me and then he was like, oh, we've had like a change in direction. And, you know, uh, here, are, here is the new direction. And mm-hmm. with the new direction, the app needs to launch at this point. And, you know, our, our product needs to be out in the market by this point. So basically, uh, we were rebranding ourselves. We were a licensing partner before Hubble. You couldn't buy in the market a Hubble product. It was it would have been uh, a product by a named brand powered mm-hmm. by Hubble. Mm. And we said, no, now we want to launch our own products. Like when you pick up a monitor, you'll see it's Hubble Connected Monitor Mm. and the app is a Hubble Connected app. So we were not even like, I guess, rebranding. We were launching a brand new brand. Which is not what the what, what would have been the plan when I was discussing, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I was I was signing the job offer. So I was like, okay, this is exciting, you know, this is a space. So many startups are coming up, and all of our competitors are like six to seven years old. So mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll do great. Let's. I'm excited about this. Mm-hmm. Except, oh, so that means the subscription brand needs to be finalized on like my seventh day at work. So you know, so, so I'm coming in, and, and I I'm looking at these features that our cameras offer today, and I'm supposed to decide in two weeks what would be free, what would be paid, and if it is paid, what is the pricing strategy, mm. right? Why are mm. we pricing it? So I think I was just completely. It was literally like being on a project. You know, I I completely forgot that it's a new job. I completely forgot that I'm supposed to do one on ones, and you know, I just spoke to the people necessary. To do the pricing, I spent so much time with engineers, and I was like, okay, these are all the features. And you know, I did some small user interviews. I was posting on Facebook groups saying, fifty dollars Amazon voucher. If you're a mom, will you talk to me? You know. So, so I think it was the true version of joining a startup. Yes, where I was just you are the CPO, that, yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah, yeah, you're the CPO, and you're like, hey, user interviews. Okay, so you know, what feature do you care about? You know, live streaming, night quality, blah blah blah, and mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And then, okay. What would you pay for? What would you not pay for? Would you pay for this? Would you pay for this? How much would you pay? Uh, you know, and, and doing those sense checks uh, and very quickly and then building out a price plan and say, hey, go engineering. This is how you implement this. And then, you know, kind of uh, socializing it within the company. Um, so it was, uh, I, I would say I had to hit the ground running, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when I look back, you know, could could it have been done in a different way? Yes. But then one thing about joining a startup is things change very rapidly, right? And if yes. you are not agile, if you can't very quickly say, okay, it is what it is, this needs to be done, let's get stuff done. Um, and if you expect a big company structure, then this the place is anyway, kind of not for you. Mm. So um, I, I don't recall having uh, enough impact uh, in the first 30 days of my job ever in my career. Uh, then I would say that I had and this job and, and you know, it was completely unplanned. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it was completely unplanned. And then, you know, we ran into other things like shipping delays and because mm. of COVID and, you know, um, we had to ship out the products and then they were not ready. And then we had to think on the fly on what do we do? Uh, it gave me more time to improvise my app. It gave me more time to then do more user interviews. And, you know, instead of releasing a very skeletal version of the app, release something that moms will actually love. Mm. Uh, so we managed to kind of, you know, do that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> as you can imagine, it's fun every day. Mm. Yeah, but so so here's here's a here's a personal question for you. Did you feel like that rush when you did all of that? What because you you came from you know the Lazada, you know where it's a huge organization, and you suddenly get thrown in, had, have to hit the ground running. For you, was it this rush? Like you know, I, I don't know because for me, when I joined, you know, I, I went to an early stage startup, and when you hit that ground running, and you just like you know, it, it's this 
survival mode kicking in you're doing it but at the same time right when you're when you've got like this two minutes to breathe you're like wow i just did this did you get the same feeling as well um yeah no i i think i did i do like to keep busy and mm-hmm. you know i like my days to be filled with more things than answering emails that says saying oh yeah this is approved yeah this looks good <laughs> like i i do i know that's a part of a job like i have to approve a lot of things you know constantly people are like oh can i run this by you but i actually like going mm. deeper and getting involved and giving detailed feedback so the fact that i was supposed to do like the user interviews or define this or write you know an analysis of something for engineering or my partners here i i i kind of like that mm. um but i have seen people like you know in, in my group of peers or if i talk to people again it's very customized to w- what you like doing if there mm. are people who've done senior level roles with multiple people reporting to them for the longest time and they're suddenly asked to get their hands dirty you know on the first week of a job with no support like you know mind you with no support uh they would not have had the same reaction that i had mm. i always have the mentality i always behave i would say sometimes like as like a junior pm mm. you know uh when when i do i do meetings across the org you know i do meeting meeting with our ux designers i'll do meeting with our data analysts you know i just go deeper um you know into the weeds sometimes i'm told by the team like our head of engineering i'll say oh what is this product like i saw this deck and you know what is this idea i want to be involved i want to discuss they're like yeah it'll reach you in a couple of weeks <laughs> we are discussing internally you know so they'll, they'll keep it there until it's been perfected but uh, you know and, and i'm working on that you know i kind of have to step back and don't just mm. poke my nose into everything premature uh so 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 yeah again my personality is such that i enjoy getting mm, uh, you mm. know into the weeds um it's also something that i would say that you know i learned at lazada uh as well that the more you know you it, it's it was uh, i'm not technical right i don't have a technical product management background but mm. you know my boss encouraged me to understand that and you know the more i got into the weeds the more confidence it gives you you're asking the right questions and people value you know the inputs that you have but uh um i would say it's not for everyone because i've seen mm. some people uh you know who reached out to me who struggle who struggle with this yeah. that oh i was promised x number of people i was promised the support uh but i haven't received it um and then you know it's like you're caught on the wrong job then yeah in a way yeah i i totally agree i think there's a certain type of personality that enjoys you know you know just you know rolling up your sleeves getting in there there are those that are better um in terms of you know people managers so different flavors for for different people fully fully agreed there um i was going to ask you as well you know what was your experience like you know joining an organization as the the chief product officer when it's covid right because obviously everyone else tends to you know most people have normal <laughs> onboardings and meeting the people and for you it was done during a period of of covid how how did that impact your um did it sorry did it impact you at all or you know did it not you know i would of course like it, it has an impact right like uh, mm-hmm. onboarding remotely in a role is never easy uh, and you know i had worked with people who were onboarded remotely like at lazada we were constantly hiring right and there were people who were onboarded remotely and as a manager you try to do your best to like give them a great onboarding experience um i think um i was very conscious um 
I'm the kind of person, if I prepare myself for the worst, I just do well, uh, you know. So when I was onboarding as well, um, we were thinking, okay, um, you know, my our management team sits in Hong Kong, uh, my engineering team sits in India, and then all of my sales leaders and, you know, counterpart stakeholders sit in uh, the UK and in the US. So how, like, how am I ever going to, like, meet them within this year, you know, let alone... Uh, yeah, there was just like no way out. I knew that I'll not be able to meet them. Mm. But I was kind of more thinking about uh, six months, right? Okay, by the summer, I'll be probably be able to travel. So it's mm. just the first six months. And then I was like, okay, so since I cannot meet them, let's talk every day. Let's talk mm. twice a week. You know, I just started the chain of communication. Keep it informal, even if you have nothing to say, like just check in with each other. Mm. And I start. I guess I started doing that. Um, and even with the teams, like, you know, just doing more town halls, et cetera, just so that people to get to know each other. Um, but right in the middle of it, you also know that India had the big uh, yes. COVID wave, uh, mm. you know, and mm. it was it was very, very serious there. So yeah. we had people on our engineering team, um, you know, where their families were sick or they were sick and they were taken down by COVID. There were people who lost family and friends. So I think it was a really tough time, but it also brought the team together because I think I got an opportunity to support them. They got an opportunity to see, you know, the company cares. And um, so I think it was a tough time, but even though we were working remotely, you know, these things brought us together. Um, I'm still, uh, when the bubble was going to open between Hong Kong and Singapore, I was excited to then fly uh, to Hong Kong (laughs) and meet the team. And then the bubble never really opened, (laughs) right? And even today, there's like a two week, to be quarantine if if I try to go. So I would say I came in prepared that six months I won't be able to travel. So for okay. six months, if I'm onboarding remotely, here are the things I need to do. Um, I'm also like, I've, again, through my jobs, I've learned to over-communicate. So even though there was no structure of like sending out weekly reports and wins and achievements of the team, you know, I started that process. I would like send out a weekly report. I would send, uh, you know, updates to everybody that, oh, this is what the team's working on. This is what I'm doing. What are you doing? Uh, started to do one-on-ones and catch-ups. Mm. Um, so I think it wasn't as hard, uh, I, I would say, as 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 you as I'd imagine. But again, uh, you know, just to share my experience, I was um, I mentor someone who's um, kind of uh, took on a new role early this year as well, mm. but at a much obviously like a a larger company and a junior role, right? So when people are looking up to multiple layers of managers and uh, they need a lot of direction, right? So it depends on the stage of career that you're at. Mm. And then if you've onboarded remotely, you can just feel isolated. Uh, you know, that, oh, I've onboarded. Today I've done my tasks, but nobody's talking to me. Nobody's checking in with me. What is this other person doing? I, I don't feel like I'm part of a team, et cetera. Uh, so if five years ago, this would have happened or six years ago, this would have happened. I would have felt the same, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. but here I am joining where I'm supposed to provide direction to people. I'm supposed to tell people this is where our business is going. I'm supposed to set the direction and the roadmap. Yeah. So I didn't have the time to feel that, oh, everybody's like far away. I was like, okay, everybody rally. This is what we are doing. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I didn't feel the pain of that remote work uh, mainly because of the scope of my role. Uh, but I do. I mean, I still I'd love to eat like people report to me in Hong Kong. And, you know, I haven't I haven't seen her uh, ever. We have such a great like team. I love working with her. But, uh, you know, we're like, when will we see each other ever? So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's yeah, we are looking forward to meeting in person. I'm I'm sure a lot of people are. I'm, I'm sure people listening in as well. Is like, oh, you know, when can we meet, you know? 
um, the list of people I've got, like, you know, hey, we should meet up once COVID is over. It's like, yeah, you know, we said that one year ago. We thought, you know, by end of last year would be okay and not really, you know, then mid of this year doesn't seem okay. So, yeah, just it does seem to keep getting pushed back. But I guess we all um, we all handle and, you know, thanks for sharing as well how you manage. Um, I have one last question about um, how you um, work at Hubble as well. Because you were you made this point earlier about how you would ask questions about, hey, what's happening here and what's happening there? And I think one of the tricky parts about being in a leadership position in product is to try to know as much as possible without sounding as if you're trying to influence, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the micromanager and I'm trying to find out. So how do you how do you find that balance, right? To to be able to, okay, I, I kind of need to know what's happening there, but I'm not saying that you have to tell me and then I make the decision. How do you walk that line? <laughs> That's very tricky. I don't think I've managed to successfully do that <laughs> also because I'm like a very direct person, uh, you know? So um, I, I'll, I guess I would just ask directly, but um, I, I do enjoy like, you know, our team meetings happen on Tuesdays and um, and I and I do it with the design team. So we'll all come in and, you know, uh, we, we just wrap up uh, like we do like a quick um, round the table thing. You know, what is an exciting thing that you worked on last week? What's an exciting thing you're working on this week? Anything you want to share with the group or you want feedback on? Mm. And I think that has opened doors for people because a lot of these people I've hired recently. So they're new to the team. Right. And they're joining together. So um, they'll say, oh, I'm working on this integration with this partner. This is very exciting. However, I have this design that I've created and this user flow that I've created, and I would love to get the team's feedback. And then they run through it. And then, you know, I'll let the team speak and share how they feel, you know. And so many times I see that they've actually covered all the points of the feedback that I would have given, you know. Mm -hmm. um, or, or sometimes there will be like one thing that's missed and I'll say, okay, this is great. But this one thing I also think, but at the end of the day, you're the owner, like you're running this, you're on point for this project. If you based on your user studies and your experience in design, I'm not a designer, think this is a great way to go. Don't let me like question this. Let's let's go through it and then see, maybe this will be great feedback from the, this will get great feedback from customers. Let's A-B test it. Let's do this, let's do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we've created kind of, um, and it's very important to win the trust of your team so that if there is going to be a day where I directly say, I need to know what's going on in this because this project is high priority for the CEO. It's a high priority for me. I really need to know every single day the update. Mm. They understand where I'm coming from. But if you haven't spent time building that trust, they don't know your working style. They don't think that you're an encouraging manager. Then people might say, oh, like she's trying to micromanage me. Mm. So uh, that's what like so far, I think I, I love working with the team. And I think we have a great, uh, you know, we have a great rapport um, overall uh, with the team. So if I ask, like, sometimes I'm checking in, like, on a Saturday. Like, we have a release uh, for a partner app very soon. I guess it's, mm -hmm. maybe it's tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the day. But, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's tomorrow. It's this week. And, and somebody had to finish uh, something. Um, but, but I was quite, like, nervous about it, whether, you know, are we going to meet the timeline? And mm -hmm. I said, guys, can we, like, check in Saturday midday, please? Mm -hmm. and, and, and people were like, yeah, sure. So Saturday midday, people shared an update. Okay. So I guess we just operate that way. Mm. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I kind of want to move, uh, switch track a little bit um, as well, because I know that, you know, as a female product leader, you are also using your position to help other female leaders as well. I think you have been involved with women in product uh, Singapore. Mm -hmm. um, 
tell us a little bit more about you know how how did that happen and you know what what's your motivation of 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 you know getting involved with um, this initiative yeah so i got involved with women in product singapore i think uh, i think actively when i joined lazada um and and you know and i think that's when um uh, you know the team uh, that that works you know that manages the group and the events reached out to me and they were like uh, okay we have we have this event uh, we'd love for you to like come and share your experience and you know speak on a certain topic and you know talking about just you know being a pm moving to a, moving from pmm to pmm uh, sorry pmm to pm and you know southeast asia being a pm in southeast asia i think all those questions that you know kind of repeatedly get asked mm. um so i presented there at an event i think it was at paypal if i'm not wrong um yeah and that was beginning of uh, or mid- middle of 2019 and since then there were like multiple events so at lazada i hosted an event again for women in product we did a round table uh just speaking to multiple women so i i got involved with multiple events i created a network there and a lot of women there reached out to be you know mentored uh i made some good friends uh, i'm actually you know uh, the, i'm friends with like so many people that i've met on the women in product uh, group um so uh, yeah that's how that's how it started and it's it's unfortunate that we can't meet in person because of covid mm-hmm. but we recently did um uh, a panel again which talked about uh, the challenges of motherhood Mm-hmm. uh while being a pm which i think is an important topic to handle you know and uh, we had some really really amazing pms on the panel i was moderating it um who were uh, who would talk about how they've navigated motherhood either mm-hmm. becoming a new mom or they're already a mom but being a pm because the job is so demanding um and and we got some really great feedback from that event okay great and and so would you be able to share and, and and i think this is something that you know i personally want to make more explicit as well like it's not always clear that you know as a female let's not talk about even product but as a female into leadership position it's not always as easy so you know having said what you've done about having this round table as well uh, would you be able to share with all listeners like what are the biggest challenges that females face as product leaders um because i would like our listeners to know and perhaps um maybe talk a little bit more about how we can help to solve this problem together um i think what i've generally noticed i wouldn't be able to say that okay females mm. face a challenge and men don't because mm. i've mm. managed men mm. who face or mentor men who face the same challenges that a female is facing as a pm mm. um i would say if all things be equal if you're actually good at your core job right um men are usually more confident uh in raising their hands to take on new responsibilities than females are so if you say hey this new project has just come in uh you know i need i need i need somebody to represent us or talk talk about our product to this client um or or anything for that matter right and there are a bunch of people in the room and then a guy will say yeah i'll do it Mm-hmm. but a girl is thinking the same thing but in her mind she's going over it okay this is a great opportunity can i do it do i have time to do it and she's like arguing or kind of debating with herself <laughs> and before that the guy's raised his hand and and to me that's a very simple thing but mm-hmm. i think that is the challenge that women face and nobody can really help them overcome it okay than themselves so i think it starts mm-hmm. with self awareness you know you you're good at your job you know that you're good at your job you know there are people around you who've told you you're good at your job a new opportunity comes in 
it is okay to say, I'll give it a try. Hmm. And then let the person share with you what the opportunity is and then evaluate it. And if you think you can't do it, it is completely okay to go back and say, I don't think I will be able to do it. Uh, you know, and I, and I've done that, you know, multiple times before, like when you reached out to me also, like, Mm. you know, to speak and share, I was like, Hey, here are the things that I think I can add value in. Here are Mm. the things I absolutely can't, you know? Mm. Mm. And, and, and so many people have reached out to me to speak at different events, but they want to talk about, uh, just topics where, like somebody said, because Lazada had Lazada pay, we want to talk about payments and, you know, we want to understand how e-commerce is approaching it in your point of view. I'm honestly not an expert. Hmm. So at first I say, I'll give it a try. Can you send me the information? Then I read through it and I said, I don't want to use people's 30 minutes listening to me speak about this because I don't think I'm a subject matter expert. expert. So I kind of declined that. Um, hmm. I, I think that's what more women, I tell all of like the people I mentor that, you know, start doing that because I notice that they don't. Um, I guess. And then secondly, uh, I would say there are biases. Hmm. Uh, there are uh, a bunch of biases that we do deal with. Um, I know people who, when interview, are very curious to find out somebody's marital status or, uh, you know, if they have kids. Um, in parts of the world, it is illegal to ask that in an interview, mm. but mm. in Asia, it's not. Yes. You know, so 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 anybody and everybody will ask. Uh, you know, I've I've been asked like, oh, do you have kids? Uh, mm. Mm. You know, in, in interviews. So uh, people ask that, uh, you know, whether you're pregnant, uh, you know, do you have kids? And then there are some assumptions that go with it. Um, you know, I've, I've called this out in my career, like, you know, that oh, th- this is not fair. Um, you know, like somebody's expected to do calls at like 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. And if that's the time to put their kid to bed, um, you know, 80% of times people will be very understanding. But there are still 20% of people who are probably not very understanding if somebody has to put their kid to bed. Mm. But instead of realizing that this person is probably doing the same work at 6 a.m. because they're already awake, they assume that, oh, I could get a bigger bang for my buck had I hired somebody who didn't have this kid, mm. you know, to put to bed, um, you, you know, so, sort of those things. So I, I do think that uh, moms face that um, challenge. Um, and the other thing is, um, you know, some how people try to show support, you know, instead of saying, so how can I help you? Like, you know, you're doing this. Can I help Mm. you? Uh, They'll just start telling women, oh, you know, you don't have to do so much. Like, just take it easy. Just, just, you know, just do, do 50% of what, you know, you can do. Mm. And they think like they're being supportive. Um, I I mean, I can't speak for all women, but Mm. uh, I would not like personally my workload to be taken away by a senior person or my boss or anybody like, Hey, I think they should give me the autonomy to answer the question. What can I do to help you? If you would like me to take a responsibility off your plate, I'm happy to do that. Or do you need more help? Or is there this stuff, which is not very critical. Maybe you can just oversee this project and not be deeply involved. I would appreciate help like that. If I was going through like a rough situation, uh, managing personal and, uh, you know, professional time instead of something being taken off my plate, which I've also heard again, all of the, you know, women in product sessions, mm, women bring mm. this up, like, how do I handle this? Um, so, I mean, I, I guess, you know, we're, um, I would still say we've come a long way. Mm-hmm. When I, uh, when I would, you know, participate in these forums, et cetera, many, many years ago, uh, women really, really struggled, you know, whether to get promoted, uh, to get equal pay for equal work. Um, I mean, not that we get equal pay for equal work now, but, uh, you know, it's still, it's much better. Mm. Uh, so I think we've come a long way. 
but these things need to be talked about. And yeah. I feel that they need to be talked about more by men, mm. you know, uh, by men being allies to yes. women uh, and, and, you know, constantly raising this. Um, yes. I mean, I usually stop my meetings uh, when a person in a meeting hasn't spoken, you know, somebody who's not a part of the management, uh, whether a male or a female, and I'll pause the meeting. I'll say, hey, X, person X, what do you think? You know, give them a chance to speak because that will make them speak up next time. So I think male leaders and men need to be conscious of that. Mm. If there's a woman in your meeting who hasn't spoken, she's on mute, especially now in Zoom, right? Uh, you know, if she's just been on mute and just been listening, there's a reason she's on the meeting. Do you want to like say, hey, what do you think about this point? Mm. So I, I think those tweaks if made um, will definitely make, you know, uh, just work environment better for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the point that you made, right? So uh, on the point of men being allies, it's it's not so much, you know, the men deciding what's good for for for, for the women, um, but just to really go and say, hey, how can I be of help um, or how can I support? And then let that person herself speak and say, oh, I'm actually okay. I'm really fine. There's nothing, you know, that you need to assume that I need help with or that, you know, yeah, maybe I, I need a little bit of help there. I think that's that's a really good point for us. So, you know, men, males, if you're listening, if you're watching, I think, you know, this topic does come up every now and then. And I think what Swati has just mentioned is, is a great starting point, right? Don't assume what people need, uh, but let's start with, hey, you know, can I can I be of any assistance or can I help support something? And if you do see or hear your colleague who's been noticeably silent, maybe ask them how things are going. Do they have a point of view? Because I think you're right, Swati. If if you've invited you know these many people into a meeting and some of them not speaking, there are either two things, right? Either you're you've overinflated your meeting invites, or you know somebody is um, not confident enough to speak. So, yeah, thank thank you so much for that. Um, uh, one more question around just being a female product leader. And again, this could be from your experience. It could be from, you know, the women in product um, groups that you've been involved with. Um, and again, I come, I'm coming at this completely transparent, you know, feel free to shoot me down if you need to. Tell us a little bit about, you know, juggling motherhood and being a, a product leader, because that's, I think, again, I would love to hear these stories about how women have, you know, sacrificed a lot to to do to get to the same point as men and i think this is also because i feel like you know there are certain things that men will not be able to do um or even in some patriarchal societies or groups they tend to just leave it to to the women so is there anything you could share on that as well yeah so i think i guess i can share from uh you know the the session the forum uh, that mm-hmm. i moderated i i don't have kids so i don't have a personal mm-hmm. uh, you know experience the only thing i have to juggle with is how much more sleep i can get versus <laughs> the work i need to get done <laughs> that's me juggling oh can i snooze once more um you know but, uh, mm-hmm. but and, and i think but from the other women, I think women who have kids and are product managers or maybe non-product managers as well i just interact more with pms mm-hmm. uh, they are the best at managing their time and they ruthlessly prioritize. I think that is something. If you want to learn how to do prioritization, go to a working mom, you know, and just watch her shadow her for a week and you'll know, you know, how prioritization really needs to be done. Uh, these people, I think some of the smartest, they are some of the smartest women I know, you know, they'll be um, 
you know, they're doing a great job at home. They're doing a great job mm-hmm. with their kid. They're doing a great job at work, but they're not super women, right? You know, they're okay if, if they fall short of something, you know? Oh, like you didn't check your kid's homework today or something else, you know, whatever those challenges might mm-hmm. be. Or even at work uh, saying no, I think over a period of time, uh, women who have managed to juggle motherhood and PM careers successfully are the ones who have learned the art of saying no and, you know, and confidently so. So it all, I think, goes back and it's mm-hmm. rooted into confidence and sure your peers and your allies and your mentors and, you know, men around you and women around you can help. I think it's more of an internal job. It has to do a lot with self-worth. And, you know, I talk a lot about that. You know, you have to like take a piece of paper and write down the 10 things. If you were a second person, if mm. somebody else did, how would you compliment them on it? You know, I made somebody do this exercise, right? Let's look at the last one year. What are 10 things? You are another person. You are not yourself anymore. And this is what this person has done. Write them one congratulatory line. And she wrote that. And I said, read it. These are for you. Yep. Now, would you give, right? Now, how do you feel about this person? She's like, oh, she must wow, she's awesome. I was like, exactly. That's who you are. You're awesome. You managed to do this during COVID. And I guess if we feel like that on the inside, then on the outside, you know, we'll feel, you know, I would say confident enough to say, ask from our partner if we need, you know, some me time, you know, please take care of the kid. I need to do this. You know, tell our kid to like, let me sleep in another hour. Who knows if they listen, you know? Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, tell our bosses that, hey, I'm kind of, I need, I need a break right now or I can't turn this around by Friday. It will be next Tuesday. So yeah. I think um, I think it, it's more, it's an inside job as much as it is asking for support. But um, we, we, I've, all the women that I've spoken to, who, you know, they've all had a learning curve and then they found their way. And, you know, um, I think they're doing great. And I hope I can do it. If I can do like half as much as them, like if I have a kid, like I'd be very proud of myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal that line. You know, if you want to know about prioritization, go and ask a, a successful working woman. Because I think that that is really true. Um, you know, some of the most amazing women that I know, and that includes my own wife, I think, you know, they're really amazing at how to just, all right, I need to do this, this, and this. And then, you know, pop, 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 it's, yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Thank you again. Thank you so much for sharing. And also for sharing with uh, the community that you're, you're working with, with the Women in Product Singapore. Um, thank you for that. Um, actually, this this is um, the, the last part that I wanted to cover, but I realized that I actually didn't follow up with you. So I'm just going to put you in a spot right now. Um, and and if you, if the answer is no, then it's fine. I actually wanted to ask you for a song to recommend to the listeners, and I realized that I totally didn't follow up with you until like two seconds ago. Um, so I'm just gonna put oh. you right in a spot. So if there is a song mm-hmm. that you would like to, you know, if I were to say, you know, Swati, what would be a song that would describe you to our listeners and our viewers? What would that song be? <laughs> My answer is really hilarious, but because, yes, I haven't had the time to think about this. <laughs> That's on you. Um, I think, so if somebody would just like randomly say, oh, what is this one song? Sure. I would say it's Fireworks, Firework by Katy Perry. And the reason I say this is mm. like, you know, when I was doing like those long hours, like media agency days and what, you know, just growing in my career, I was new in Singapore. And there would be bad days, you know, I don't have, didn't have family here. That was the song that was my pick me up. Like when I felt mm. like low confidence or I felt all the things that I'm talking about, right? I would play that song, you know, you're, you're on social media. You're, 
every girl goes through you know starting from like mm. body image issues to confidence issues to anything else you know at work and i think that song always managed to cheer me up um and then i think it's kind of it was round 2 of me falling in love with that song because at the inauguration so like the president uh, the us president um, results they had the uh, the fireworks and mm. katy perry actually performed the song at mm. at the ceremony you know which was just like oh this is the time like a first uh, you know the indian you know african indian kamala harris mm. is being you know being inaugurated and then there's Katy Perry playing in this it was just like the whole thing like oh my god this is this this is my song and it's being played right now so um i mean it it does it for me i don't know if it does it for others but if feeling low you know if you're just feeling bummed out just play that song like on your airpods and i hope that when people listen to it they'll feel better because it's always made me feel better perfect perfect thank you so katy perry's fireworks will definitely um put a link somewhere up here somewhere in the video um and i'll definitely put it in the description um as well i think the guys are just nodding their head probably that i know I'm oh, not listening to oh no you you be surprised <laughs> so all the guests in the show we've had everything from pop to rock to lo-fi to classical so we've we've had the full gamut of um of a genres here so definitely we don't discriminate and i think i think it's a good choice for what it's worth so <laughs> all right um, thank you yeah so at the thank you so much for your time um, i appreciate you and i know that you know, life has been tough and busy you know with covid and new job and everything so thank you so much um as we close is there something that you would like to leave with our you know a final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners or our viewers um you know something encouraging or something that you just want to share Uh I mean I would say first of all two things one it's you're going to be okay like you all these choices that we are presented with should I do this should I do that and you know we overstress we overanalyze we get analysis paralysis like don't do that uh you know uh, go after opportunities where you think you can have an impact go where you have something to contribute you know don't overanalyze it you can always go back to a bigger company to a smaller company to the same domain to a different domain and the second thing i would say is the world is changing so fast and i i don't have to like just look back to the last 5 years your behavior as a consumer has changed there were companies that didn't even exist and today you know they are on the home screen of your app the world is changing so fast it can be scary but i guess for people like us who work in tech it's an opportunity to be able to be creative with our careers so you know plan for 2 years you know i think that that's what i do you know i plan for 2 mm-hmm. years i don't have uh, when i started my career i had like 10 year plans you know if you ask me what do you want to do in 10 years i have done none of that 5 years i have done none of that you know but usually when i say what do you want to do in the year or in the next 2 years i have actually followed through and even then sometimes i've thought things things have changed mm-hmm. right uh so so i would say um you know if you're if you're listening to this and you know you you've been thinking about oh i need to 2021 is coming to an end what do i want to do like what is the next thing in 2022 i want to look at and if you're evaluating oh but in 2026 where would i be don't do that if you if you're considering a new job you're you know you're starting in the holidays you start you, or you want to start in january think of okay 2023 2024 what will i be able to do in this job and if the answer that comes out of it is exciting don't worry about you know of course i mean you've done your due diligence on the industry and you know where you're trying to have an impact but when people try to play out multiple years ahead i think they actually say no to opportunities that they should have said yes to and 
if it works out the way you plan, it's excellent. If it doesn't work out, you've had a great learning experience that you will be able to use the next time. Um, so I think those are um, those are the two things um, that I wanted to share to anybody, I guess, who is listening. And uh, I hope it's helpful to at least one person. All right. Thank you so much. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, that was Swati Rai, the Chief Product Officer of Hubble Connected. Um, I'm so thankful she has agreed to spend time um, to be on this show. And I do hope that all of you have found it interesting. Um, for me, the favorite parts of the show was really, you know, just talking about the person, the journey, the experiences, and also trying to be better supporters of, you know, just female leaders, female people in product um, as well. Um, again, in Southeast Asia, we're definitely full of opportunities. This is the place to be. So I hope that all of you will continue to try and find your little space in Southeast Asia. Thank you very much. And until we meet again, bye-bye.